0: name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever into the ages of all ages. Amen. In today's readings, the Lord Jesus Christ is making a very clear distinction for us, a very clear dichotomy for us, a very clear line in the sand for us between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. And he's making it very, very, very clear to us that there's like nothing in between. This morning um, uh, I I was answering uh, messages of people. I'll tell you like uh, like I have this, this, this little fear. I have this fear that I missed an important message from somebody and then I'll see them at church and then they'll be like upset or heartbroken or feel like I'm not, like I don't care about them because I missed that message. So every time before i come to church i go through all my messages quickly 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 and see and i happen to read some one of somebody's status and his 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 status says um there is only black or white there is no such thing as gray there are shades of black and shades of white but there is no such thing as gray and i remember reading that thinking to myself that's interesting and I just kept going obviously because I'm you know I'm doing all this as I'm getting ready and so on and this and that and I realize it ties in perfectly with what we're saying if you if you paid careful attention in the Pauline epistle you'll find that Saint Paul says to the Corinthians Saint Paul spent a year and a half in Corinth he loved that church they drove him bananas okay they drove him nuts and he tried and tried, and he loved them so much. And there was such a huge response to his gospel. And they were very demonstrative, and they brought lots of money, and they, and they started all these things, and they did all these ministries, and it was so active. But they drove him crazy. They drove him crazy, endless, an endless supply. Of problems in that church. But he loved them. He stayed there for a year and a half. He, he he stayed most places, he stayed for under a month. He stayed in Thessalonica for two and a half weeks. In Corinth, he stayed for a year and a half. So he loved them so much. And he tells them, Look, I asked, I begged Apollos. Apollos was like in their time was a was really eloquent speaker. He was really, 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 really good. At speaking and really engaging and very uh, excellent teacher. She says, I, I begged Apollos to come to you, but he, he could, he would not, and he maybe he will come when he has a convenient time. Saint Paul was the most eminent of the apostles, and like Apollos said no to him. Like, you can see there's like a little bit of contention there. Like, well, like Apollos is like. Like, lower than St. Paul. Why didn't he say just say yes And Why didn't he just be obedient? No. Then he says, um, you know, Stephanus, his household were the first to believe in your province, Achaia, A- 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 right? Asia Minor. Was the first of the first families to believe, and he left everything for the, to serve the Word of God. So when he comes, receive him, and he's going to bring with him Fortunus and Achaus. Receive them all, and they will be able to serve you in a way that I wasn't able. So Saint Paul puts himself down so that they can, so that he can, you know, so he can bake them up, so that the Corinthian church will receive them willingly. Why all of this? Because Saint Paul knew something. He knew that the unity of the church is the 100% necessary ingredient for the Holy Spirit to be working among us. And the Holy Spirit, He is, the Spirit of God is the, is the superpower of our church. So, without the Spirit of God, we're lost. So, that's the first thing. So, you see, St. Paul, didn't, he didn't fuss about the differences between him and others this guy's like this, that guy's like that. They were different to him. He was okay with that. Even when, you re- when we heard the reading in the Acts, we find that St. Paul didn't create a fuss over a very important doctrinal issue when new believers become Christian. Do they have to become Jewish first and then become believers? St. Paul didn't, you know, he didn't come out guns a-blazing to fight this issue. He said, let's take it to Jerusalem. Let's take it to the apostles. He submitted to them. He submitted to their word, to the other 12 apostles. Let's see what they have to say. Let's come together to a solution altogether. He recognized that number one is unity. But at the very end of, of, the, of, of the... if, if, if uh, Mishu, if you can pull up for us the end of the Pauline epistle. He says something which is almost which is almost hard on our ears, especially as Canadians, right? He says in his final greeting, my, this salutation by my own hand, Paul's, if anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed. O Lord, come. St. Paul says there's two kinds of people in this world and there's only two. There's only two kinds of people in this world, and there's only two, St. Paul says, people who love the Lord Jesus Christ and people who don't. And let them be accursed. That's what he's saying. It's very hard for our tolerate everything and anything Canadian ears. Very hard for us to hear. You know what? Can I just go on a little rant here? Okay, I'm going to rant for a moment. I'm not a politician. I don't care too much about politics. I hate the word tolerance. I am the most intolerant person you will ever meet in your life. There's things I hate and everything else I love. And that's it. I am not intel tolerant of the LGBT community. I love the LGBT community. I will not tolerate the, the LGBT community for a moment of my life. I will love every single person in the LGBT community. And I have lots of friends there. And they come to me for spiritual guidance. They come for confession. They have seen the love of Christ in this church in every single one of you. Because you have refused to tolerate the LGBT community amongst us in this church and you have chosen to love them there's a big difference between tolerance i can tolerate i can tolerate you <laughs> that's an insult i can put up with you for about 12 and a half minutes after that ah that's an insult if you, can, if you can just barely tolerate me, please leave right now. Just, just do us both a favor. Do us both a favor. I will close my eyes and turn around, right? And I have a terrible memory, so I won't know. You just get up and leave right now. This isn't a tolerance community. This is a love community. But for you to love things, the things that put the things that you love at risk, you're going to hate those things. Okay, let me give you an example. I have two daughters, a four-year-old and a two-year-old. Okay, fast forward 20 years from now that my eldest daughter goes out with this guy, looks like a nice guy, looks like a great guy. He totally abuses her, hurts her, ruins her life, God forbid, and breaks her heart. A year later... He comes and starts courting my younger daughter. How am I going to feel about that guy? I'm going to hate him. Okay? Now, this is a bad analogy because I don't hate any person. I don't hate any person. I was really deeply, deeply convicted by this this week. I was reading a book, and the author himself was saying, I am myself am very convicted about this. Scripture is very, very clear to us. It tells us to hate evil. It tells us, you who love the Lord, says Psalm 97.10, hate evil. Proverbs 8.13 says, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. The beginning of, the, of wisdom is, the, is to fear the Lord. What is this fear of the Lord? To fear the Lord is to hate evil. In Amos 5.15, he says, Hate evil, love good, establish justice in your gates. It may be that the Lord God of hosts will be gracious to the remnant of Israel. So what's evil? So different people have different definitions for evil. Evil isn't a person or a place or a thing or, a, or, an, or an ideology or, or, or a politician or a... Evil, says St. Basil, is the absence of God. Evil is the absence of God. So St. Paul could see that the Holy Spirit, the beautiful, powerful, timid spirit of God, which empowers the church, shrinks away and, 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 and sits in a corner when there's dissension amongst us when there's fighting amongst us, when there's even lack of agreement amongst us, when we begin, forgive me, to tolerate each other. And so St. Paul says, Apollos, good God, great God. Fortunus, Zacchaeus, Stephanus, great guys. Great guys. They'll come, they'll bless you, they'll they'll do great work among you. He says, keep the unity of the church. When I was ordained, the the, the bishop who ordained me, and a very, very wise man, His Eminence Metropolitan Bechomius, when He ordained five of us priests, He looked at us from the top of His glasses like this, and He has a very deep voice, and He's a man of few words, so whatever He says, you know is gold, and He looks at us from the top of His glasses, and He says says to us, at all costs, maintain the peace of the church. Did you hear me, my fathers? At all costs, maintain the peace the peace of the church, so that God can work in your churches. That's the first lesson that we get from today's readings. The next eight lessons are really simple, and we get them all from the second reading. And you find St. Paul is, uh, you find St. James, sorry, if we go to the second reading, he's very simple. St. James Epistle is very simple. He's very to the point. He just tells you what to do. He doesn't dance around. He doesn't give examples. Sometimes he gives a couple of examples, but he just tells you what to do. So he says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. So we think that spiritual warfare is to get like our boxing mix on and I'm going to knock this demon out. No, 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 not at all. It's get your running shoes on, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. It's draw near to God. That's the second thing he tells us. And he will draw near to you. So when you sense temptation coming your way, when you sense evil coming your way, when you sense something which speaks to the absence of God coming your way, notice I say something, not someone. All people are meant to be loved. This is not like uh, fodder for like, any kind of hate against another person. Please, please don't misunderstand that. When you sense any sort of evil coming your way, submit to God, resist the devil, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Super easy. All we have to do is resist. The temptation is gonna come pounding on is gonna come pounding on me. Just run to God. Run the image I have when I get tempted. The image that I have in my mind that I have to get when I get tempted is me running through the doors of the church and throwing myself on my knees before the altar of God saying, Save me! That's the image I have in my mind. Run to God. Flee from the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. It's it's completely the opposite of what you think. If somebody comes to attack you, and you run away from them, what are they going to do? They're going to run after you, right? Not in spiritual warfare. In spiritual warfare, flee from the devil, and he will flee from you. It's different, okay? So I know it's hard for us to reprogram our minds. But spiritual life is not always intuitive. So, St. James tells us again, Submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. I encompass all of those three things that St. James says, those first three points he says, in one very simple action. The moment I feel temptation coming my way, I do the sign of the cross and I flee to God and beg Him to save me. I can't always, it's not always within our capacity to run across town, you know, run into the church, run and throw yourself at the altar, physically, but we can do it in our prayers. I'm gonna tell you something absolutely magical. When you call the name of Jesus, He comes. So, like, if I'm at home, And I called one of your names, Shady. You know? Shady's in like East Markham. And I'm in Bloor West Village, right? Shady's not going to teleport to Bloor West Village, right? That's not how it works, right? I can call him on the phone and I can hear his voice. I can FaceTime him and I can see him. But there's nothing that I can do to make him physically present. Yes? Yeah. But with Jesus, it's different. The fathers teach us the invocation of the name of Jesus, that means saying, calling on the name of Jesus, brings him to presence. And that is the essence of the first step of spiritual warfare, to submit to God, to resist the devil, and then to draw near to God. And you can do that all in one fell swoop, you know, you can do that on all one one motion, which is as you see temptation coming your way, you do the sign of the cross and you close your eyes and you beg God, Lord Jesus Christ, save me. In that moment, you've done all of those. You've done all of those things, right? St. James gives us, you know, that's like 101. So St. James gives us some 201 advice. He tells us next up, cleanse your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, you double-minded. He says, look, you know what your problem and mine is? Is we're double-minded. We're of two minds. My mind sometimes is saying, "Draw near to God," and then sometimes it's saying, "Let me walk after the world." Remember the, the, what Saint Paul told us just a while ago. There's a line in the sand. There's just black and white, and many shades of them, but there's only black and white, and there's nothing in between. There's no nuance. There's no this. You either you either love God and hate evil, or you're on the other team. It's one or the other. And there is nothing in between. So Saint St. James is telling us, cleanse your hands, you sinners. So sometimes, sometimes I don't stick to my team. So he's telling us, wash up. Wash up. Come to God. Repent of your sins. Confess. Say, I did this, I did that, I did that, they were wrong. God, as we understand him in orthodoxy, is amoral. There's no morality. He's not going to tell you you're a good person or you're a bad person. There's no guilt. He doesn't want you to feel guilty. He just wants you to wash up. Come, wash your hands. And then he tells us you double-minded. He's telling us we're we're of two minds. Sometimes I go this way. Sometimes I go that way. And then I wonder why I'm not going anywhere in life. Because I'm not consistently walking in one direction. So he's telling us, focus, wash your hands, repent, confess, choose team Jesus and stick to it, right? Then he tells us lament, mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Can I tell you something? I need to open my heart to you. I need to open my heart to you. Many times, there are catastrophic things happening amongst us. Immorality happening right before our eyes. Lack of devotion. People who used to love God and would give up their life for Him two years ago, Today can't even wake up on Sunday morning and get here. And we look at each other and somebody asks me, how's church going? I say, church is going great. They say, yeah, it's going great, isn't it? Yeah, it's going great. Attendance is up. It is up. Donations are up. They are up. Well, that's great. But what about people's hearts? What about the hearts that were on fire for God yesterday that are harder than ice today? What about that? we got to call a spade a spade and we got to be honest with each other. And this isn't about judgment and this isn't about... There's no room for that. There's no room to judge our neighbor, to hate on our neighbor. There's no room for that. This is about love. This is about love. And this is about looking at things and seeing what they are. And if your brother, your sister, in the flesh, like biologically got themselves into deep, deep trouble. If your brother, your sister got themselves in a, a, into a real pickle, you wouldn't look at their life and say, oh, well, they'll be okay. They'll get over it. Yeah, he's hooked on heroin and he's homeless and he's this and he's that and, and uh, right? You would mourn, you would weep, you would lament, you would run around town trying to find somebody to help them. Well, we're not going to find help. Remember, we're not going to find help by running around town. We're going to find help by running that way, by running that way. I pray that God will open your eyes and mine and open your heart and mine to see the real status of things. And that will bring us to mourn and to weep and to lament before God and to beg him to do something new amongst us. The next thing St. James tells us is humble yourselves before the Lord and he shall lift you up. As a culture within the church, we've learned very well how to humble ourselves before our fellow neighbor. That's good. It's good for us not to be arrogant. He's going to talk about that in a minute. But, Saint, but the commandment from St. James is to humble ourselves before the Lord. What does that mean? That means that when I come into the church, I come in with my head bowing. Literally or figuratively, it doesn't matter. When I stand to pray at home, I stand with bowing my head. Literally or figuratively, that's not what we're talking about. In the old monasteries, the old, old churches in the old old monasteries, you find the door is never higher than this. Why? Because everybody who walks in is going to be taller than that. And everybody who walks in is going to have to bend down to give us the right disposition before God, a disposition of humility, to stand before God humbly, to walk humbly with our God, like it says in Micah. Finally, he tells us not to speak evil of each other, not to judge each other, not to be arrogant, and so on. But I want to leave you, I want to leave you with two very clear messages. The first one is, there's a line in the sand and it's very clear. Love God, hate evil. And there's nothing else. There's no gray. There's no gray. There's various shades of black and white, but it's either black or it's white. It's either love God or it's hate evil. That's one team. And I confess before you, I haven't done a very good job of hating evil. But from this week onwards, I've realized that I have to. I realize that I have to. It's not hating people. It's not hating even things. It's hating the absence of God or anything which puts me at the risk of being absent from the presence of God. The second thing I want to leave you with is when you see temptation coming your way, run to God, do the sign of the cross, call on the name of Jesus, ask him to save you, bring him into presence. And if Jesus were to appear right now, we would all pop off our pews in one fell swoop and all of us would drop to our knees before him. Do that. Do the sign of the cross. Call on the name of Jesus. Even if you're walking in the street, if you're on the phone, it doesn't matter. Do the sign of the cross. Call on the name of Jesus and bow before him. If you can't do it physically because you're in the street or you're in a meeting at work or whatever, you're at the gym, it doesn't matter. Stop what you're doing. Do the sign of the cross. Call on the name of Jesus and in your heart, fall to your knees and worship him and ask him to save you. And he will. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. I have sinned. Forgive me, my fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters. Please pray for me.